This is Trey Johnson, and I'd like to thank you for taking the time to listen to this teaching. I pray that it empowers you, encourages you, and motivates you to know God and to be who He's created you to be. Here's the definition of accelerate. It's to increase in the rate or speed of something. Increase of speed or velocity. It's the act or process of moving faster or happening more quickly. Acceleration is God's supernatural ability coming upon our life to bring His plans. Say His plans. His plans to pass quicker. God wants to take us further and He wants to take us faster than we've gone in the past. You know, years ago, the Lord said, this spoke up in my heart. When I say the Lord said, I'm not saying I heard an audible voice. I'm just saying in my heart. Um, I knew it didn't come from my mind. I knew I didn't conjure it up myself. But He said, Trey, if you will stay in the process, I will speed it up. He says, I won't bypass the process, but if you'll stay in the process, I'll speed it up. And I, I had a lot of mess that I needed to come out of, but the process is so important. The process is a daily relationship with God. The process is I'm going to take one step today. The process is I'm going to apply what I know to apply. God is not asking us to apply something we don't know. Are we applying what we do know? So he's saying, I'm wanting to take you further, faster. Now we're going to kind of switch it up a little bit. When I was sitting there, go to page 3 there in your notes. It's the third page. And Amos 9.13 in the New King James Version it says, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when the plowman shall... Or maybe it's the... You can find it, right? It's in the middle of the page. Amos 9.13. It says, Behold, the days are coming. They are coming. Say, they are coming. They are coming. Says the Lord, When the plowman shall overtake the reaper and the treader of grapes, him who sows seed. When the plowman shall overtake the reaper and the treader of grapes, him who sows seeds. When I, I see that word treader of grapes, how many of you remember I Love Lucy? You remember that? There was the scene where she's in the deal and she's stepping on the grapes? That has nothing to do besides with the, my point. It just reminds me of that. <laughs> where she's treading the grapes. And God says the process of treading the grapes is going to happen at the same time as they begin to plow the field. As soon as the seed drops in the soil, things are going to come together and harvest is going to take place. Now, this is going to take faith. It's going to take expectation. Say expectation. expectation. Psalm 62, 5, David said, Lord, my expectation comes from you. My soul, which is my mind, my will, and my emotions, it silently submit to you, God, and my expectation comes from you. Proverbs 23, verse 17 and 18, it says, my expectation will not be cut off. Expectation is very important to God. What are you expecting? Right here, this is a promise from God. He says, there will come a time upon the earth that as soon as the plowman starts to plow and before the seed goes in, it all comes together and harvest happens simultaneously. Now, why would God want that to take place in our life? Why would He want to accelerate healings in our body? Why would He want to accelerate promotions in our calling and destiny? Why would He want to accelerate finances in our life? Because He always has other people on His mind. God always has other people on His mind. When He placed the gifts on the inside of you, He just didn't see you. He saw all the people you were called and created to reach. Think about that. When He placed the calling and assignment, Romans eleven twenty nine 29 says, the gifts and the calling of God, they're irrevocable. In other words, God's saying, I don't apologize one bit for the way that I wired you, the way that I designed you, the way that I gifted you. And when He placed that in you, 
He saw every person you're called and created to, to reach. And you know what the Holy Spirit is saying continually to you and I? He stands in front of us every day and he's saying, come on. Let the real you come out. Let that gifting come alive. Will you please step forward and be everything I've called and created you to be? How many times do we leave things on the table? I don't want to be on my deathbed and know when I stand before God that I left this business, this career, this assignment, this book, this destiny, this person. I don't want it to still be on the inside of me. God wants everything he's placed in us to come out. He wants us to die completely empty. Empty. What you have is not for you. It's for others. And Amos is saying there is a... There is, God is speaking through the prophet Amos saying there's coming a time. But no, notice what, he, what he, he refers to. He refers to you and I being in a field. In other words, he's saying it's important for you to be where you're created to be. It's important for you to at least be in the field. For God to accelerate something, you've got to at least be in the field. You've got to at least be in the game. You've got to at least be putting one step forward. you at least got to be having movement in your life. God always works with movement. Amen is saying, if you'll just get in the field, there will come a time that as you sow the seed, harvest and the reaping and the treading of grapes that come simultaneously, you will see the supernatural provision of God in whatever area of life. Say, it will come. It will come. See, that's where we have to not let our logical mind talk us out of God's promise. When in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 4 and 5, when God begins to talk about you and I have the authority to pull down strongholds, one of a stronghold, it means a fortress, it means a prison, it means a citadel, it means a, a way of thinking that can hold us back from being everything God has called and created us to be. And one of the things that can hold us back from our dreams and destiny and purpose is our, our, our rational thinking. Yes, it is important to dot all your I's, cross your T's, do the natural. Do everything you know to do in the natural. But do not let your mind talk you out of your destiny. Because most of the things that God calls you to do will not make sense in the natural. Do everything you know to do in the natural, but then don't let your mind stop at the natural. It doesn't add up on paper, so I'm not doing it. It doesn't make sense, so I'm not doing it. The Word of God never came to make sense. It came to make faith. Romans 10, 17 says, Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Do everything you know to do in the natural, but then get your mind out of the way. Holy Spirit, what else do you want me to do? Another way of thinking is, is irrational thinking where you're afraid of everything. I'm afraid of failure. I'm afraid of lack. I'm afraid of sickness. I'm afraid of disease. I'm afraid of this. I'm afraid of that. And so we stay bound up because of fear. But Amen is saying, if you at least get in the field, get in the field. What field are you called to? What are your giftings? What are your passions? What are your desires? What are you designed to do? At least get in the field and now expect acceleration. Say acceleration. Acceleration, acceleration in relationships. Acceleration in your physical body. Acceleration. Accelerate. God wants to increase the speed of something. Remember, He says, I won't bypass the process, but if you'll get in the process, I'll speed it up. Say, He'll speed it up. Say, he'll speed it up for me. Now go with me to John chapter 2. John chapter 2. I believe you have it just right below there. I want to read this out of the New King James. Say, acceleration. Now this is Jesus. He had lived 30 years upon the earth and know that he didn't do anything unless he heard his father tell him. He didn't do anything unless he saw his father show him it. 
And so right here, they're at this wedding. And I'll pick up in verse 3. Jesus' mother's there, the disciples are there. And in verse 3, And when they ran out of wine, the mother of Jesus said to him, They have no wine. Verse 4, Jesus said to her, Woman, what does your concern have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. Verse 5, His mother said to the servants, Whatever he says to you, do it. Whatever he says to you, do it. Whatever, what is a key thing for you and I to do in order for him to accelerate in our life? Whatever he says to us, do it. Even if it's beyond your thinking, even if it's beyond your comfort zone, there's no growth in our comfort zone. And in today's society, we all fight to be comfortable. I want to be comfortable financially. I want to be comfortable in my house. I want to be comfortable in my relationships. I want to be comfortable in my dream. I just want to be comfort. And we fight for comfort. There's no growth in comfort. Growth only takes place outside of the comfort zone. Whatever he says to me, I'm going to do it. Say, whatever he says to me, I'm going to do it. Verse 6, Now there were set there six water pots of stones, according to the manner of purification of the Jews, containing twenty or thirty gallons apiece. Jesus said to them, notice that Jesus said to them, How does faith come? Faith comes by hearing. Jesus said to them, Fill the water pots with water, and they filled them up to the brim. So he spoke, and they obeyed. James chapter 2, verse 17, verse 20, it says, Faith without actions is inoperative. Faith without actions is dead. You can quote the whole Bible from the front to the back of it, but what are we doing with what we know? Faith without actions is dead. Jesus said, and they did. Jesus said, and they did. Jesus says, and we do. Say, I do. I do. Now it goes on in verse 8, And he said to them, here it is again, Draw some out now, and take it to the master of the feast. And they took it, and when the master of the feast had tasted the water that was made wine and did not know where it came from, but the servants who had drawn the water knew, the master of the feast called the bridegroom. And he said to him, Every man at the beginning sets out the good wine, and when the guests have well drunk, then the inferior. You have kept the good wine until now. Verse 10, And every man at the beginning sets out the good wine. You know God has done something good in all of our lives. God has done something good in every single one of our lives. At some point in time, some of you might be thinking, well, I'm having a hard time thinking about it. If you thought long enough, you're still breathing. You should have been dead already. But you're not. Notice, he did something good at the beginning, but then he goes on and it says, and when the guests have well drunk, then the inferior, you have kept the good wine till now. You and I haven't seen anything yet. The best is yet to come. You haven't seen anything yet. God has done something good in all of our lives. He's healed us. He's protected us. He's delivered us. He's filled us with His Spirit. But we haven't seen anything yet. The best is yet to come. But what is it going to take for that to come to pass in our life? How do we get this process of acceleration to take place in our life? It's going to take faith. Say faith. It's going to take expectation. Say expectation. That's why we're going over this, because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Last week I was in Colorado ministering, and this one guy... I mean, he, he, was, he got so mad at me because I was talking on, on God breaking through and acceleration and not backing down. And what God wants to do is the God of the breakthrough. And, and he got so mad at me saying, that does not happen anymore. That doesn't happen in my life. It doesn't happen. And he started telling me, this guy's 60 plus years old, and he started telling me all the reasons why God can't do this for him and all the trouble he's gone through. And when he got done, I said, 
Great. How's that working for you then? Doing what you're doing, how's that working? I said, you have nothing to lose and everything to gain. We have nothing to lose and everything to gain. We have everything to gain. We have life and life more abundantly. We have a dream to gain. We have a destiny to gain. We have an assignment to gain. We have a standing before Almighty God knowing that He says, Well done, good and faithful servant. In other words, you didn't back down. You stayed in the game. Yeah, you got the crud kicked out of you a few times, but you didn't quit. That's Say, no back down. So it goes on in verse 11, In the beginning of signs Jesus did in Cana of Galilee and manifested His glory, and His disciples believed in Him. Notice what's the purpose for the acceleration. It reaches other people. It reaches other people. This was the beginning of signs, and Jesus said the disciples believed on Him. Why do we want God to show up? Yes, we want to know Him. We want to know His presence. We want to know His Word. But we want to know the God that heals, the God that delivers, the God that provides, the God that breakthroughs, the God that accelerates because it brings glory and honor to Him and it reaches people. It blesses people. We are blessed to be a, a blessing, a blessing of joy, a blessing of peace, a blessing of faith, a blessing of confidence, a blessing. Just you being you, you being the best you, you can be, that is a blessing to people. God wants to do work in us, and then He wants to do work through us. Say, that's me. that's me. Now, go with me to the left, to 1 Kings. So you see in Amos 9, He says, get in the field. Say, get in the field. Because acceleration's coming. Say it, acceleration's coming. Now, 1 Kings, verse 18 and 19, you can go back um, maybe to page 1 on your notes here. And you see here uh, the prophet Elijah. I mean, he had kicked tail and he took names. And, and he had beat 450 prophets. What they had, they had had a, uh, uh, Elijah came to the prophets and said, Okay, guys, so this is what we're going to do. We're going to build an altar and we're going to put sacrifices on the altar. And you call out to your God and then I'll call out to my God. And whichever God consumes the sacrifice, that's the true God. And so here these false prophets are. They put the sacrifice upon the altar and they call out to God. And Elijah, he gets to jacking with them a little bit because, I mean, they're, oh, yeah. I mean, they're squealing for their God to come out, you know. And he doesn't show up. And so Elijah gets to saying, well, where is he, guys? Is he sleeping? Is he taking a nap? You know, and it just made them matter. <laughs> and, and I know some of you can run your lips pretty good, so you can, you can appreciate Elijah. And so here he is. And so uh, 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 they get to cutting themselves and squalling. And so at the end of the day, nothing had happened. So Elijah says, okay, it's my turn. And he called upon God. He says, but before I do this, he says, I want you to douse my sacrifice with water. And they built a moat around the sacrifice and they filled it full of water. So in the natural, there was no way that this sacrifice could be consumed with fire. Elijah called upon God and whoo, sacrifice was consumed with fire. And it says the whole nation fell down and worshiped the God of Elijah. The prophets, they're out of here. They take off running. Elijah says, don't let them get away, boys. And he whooped all 450 of them and killed them. So, I mean, he just kicked tail and took names. So here he is. I mean, he is just on a high here. Well, one of the guy's wife gets word of it, named Jezebel. And she says, okay, what you did to them, I'm going to do to you. Elijah, now picture this. He just whooped 450 men. This one lady walks into the room and says, I'm going to whoop your tail, boy. He takes off running, and so this is where we find him up in the mountains. I mean, he is just exhausted. He is intimidated. Here he is, uh, 1 Kings 19. This is where we pick it up at. 
In verse 4, But when he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a broom tree, and he prayed that he might die and said, It is enough. It is enough. Have you ever got to that point in your life where you just felt like, It is enough. Man, bless the Lord. Can anything else happen? I mean, it's enough. You know, I mean, country western song, I mean, this is what I feel like I'm going into right here. You know, your dog ran off, your, your car broke down, you, right? It is enough. Say it is enough. it is enough. This is where Elijah's at. He's just having a pity party. He says, now, Lord, take my life, for I'm no better than my father's. Verse 5, then as he lay and slept under a broom tree, suddenly an angel touched him and said to him, arise and eat. Then he looked, and there by his head was a cake baked on coals and a jar of water. So he ate and drank and lay down again. Then the angel of the Lord came back the second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat, because the journey is too great for you. Arise and eat, because the journey is too great for you. You know what God has called each and every one of us to do is so much bigger than ourselves. And God knew that Elijah couldn't go in his own strength. He is wiped out. Falls asleep. The angel comes and wakes him up. Says, Elijah, I need you to eat. And I need you to drink. Because what you're called to, it's so much bigger than you. One thing I've learned about God, that if it is not bigger than me, I need to spend some more time with God. There's more in us than what we've been walking in. Why did the angel say, I need you to eat and I need you to drink? Remember Matthew chapter 4, verse 4, whenever Jesus, he goes into the wilderness and he's tempted by Satan. And Satan tells him, well, if you're the son of God, why don't you turn these stones into bread? And what did Jesus say? Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. The angel is saying, I need you to eat. John chapter 7, verse 37, 38, Jesus said, It is the last day of the feast. And he stood up and he said, If any person is thirsty, let him come unto me and drink. And out of their bellies will flow rivers of living water. In this day and age, it is more important than ever before that we are eating of the Word of God and we are drinking of the Spirit of God. Playing church, you will get your tail kicked. But when we keep eating, see... Angels are still present, they're still working, they're still happening, but you have the Holy Spirit. I have the Holy Spirit on the inside of me every day tapping me, saying, Trey, I need you to eat, and I need you to drink. What is God wanting us to drink tonight? What is He wanting us to eat tonight? He's wanting us to eat the word of breakthrough, accelerate, and don't you back down. Breakthrough, God wants to reveal Himself as the God of the breakthrough. He wants to accelerate things. He wants to take us further, faster. But our part is don't you back down. Regardless of what it looks like out here, don't you back down. Galatians chapter 6 verse 9 says, Don't you grow weary in well-doing, for at the proper time you will reap if you don't faint. If you don't faint. That's huge in the Bible. If you don't faint. How many times or how many things do you think we might have missed because we quit right before we got our breakthrough? We quit. We were right on the line and it just got too hard. And like Elijah, it is enough. And we throw our sucker in the dirt and we walk away. Sucking our thumb, pulling our air, wah, wah, wah. Say, not me. Not me. So you see Elijah right here. 
The angel says, the journey is too great for you, verse 8. So he arose and ate and drank, and he went in the strength of that food for 40 days and nights as far as Horeb, the mountain of God. Horeb represents, and the mountain of God represents an experience with God. And so the angel says, I need you to eat this word, and I need you to drink what, what the Holy Spirit is putting in front of you, because what you have, he wanted to accelerate the next 40 days and 40 nights to take him to a closer experience with God. God's Word always is leading us to have an encounter with God. It's not so we can have fat heads and just think, oh, well, I went to church and I, man, I, I, I know all these stories of the Bible. What are we doing with it? I want God to show up in our life. I need Him to show up in my life. I want to I see the blind eyes open more than I've seen them. I want to see the deaf ears open more than I've seen them. I want to see the lame walk. I want to see uh, legs grow out and arms grow out. I, I've seen dead be raised. I've seen cows and horses. And, but we haven't seen anything yet. The best is yet to come. But what is it going to take? Faith, expectation, us getting out of our head and going beyond where we're at right now and not playing church and not playing with this. God, I want to know you as the God of the breakthrough. That was great you broke through for somebody else, but I want you to break through in my life. I want acceleration in my life. What did Amos say? At least get in the field. You've got to get in the field before he can accelerate anything. And right here, God showed up and he accelerated the prophet Elijah. So some of you, you might feel like you're exhausted. You might feel like it is enough. But if you'll start eating and you'll start drinking what God is putting in front of you, he will accelerate. Remember, he wants to take us further faster. Say that, further faster. In Acts chapter 7. You see Moses and how at the age of 40, it dropped into his heart. And the Bible says, you can read this in your own time. The Bible says it dropped in his heart that he was to be the deliverer of the children of Israel. And listen to this. And he thought they would understand. He thought the people that he was called to, he thought they would understand. And so he goes out and he's going to go visit the Hebrews. And what had happened is this Hebrew and this Egyptian, they were fighting. And so Moses, he's looking around thinking, boy, don't they know who I am? What, what are you doing? I'm called to be the deliverer of the Hebrews. And so he kills the Egyptian. Goes and he buries him thinking nobody saw. Next day he comes out again. He goes back to the palace. He comes out again, comes to the Hebrews. These two Hebrews now are fighting. And they're quarreling here, and they stop, and they look at Moses. They say, who are you? So you're going to kill us just like you did the Egyptian? And the Bible says they didn't understand. See, the thing that God drops into your heart, a lot of times other people aren't going to understand. That's right. There's going to be times that your family does not understand what God has told you. Right. Your friends are not going to understand. Why are you doing that? But you've got to remember, God didn't tell them, He told you. And so if God told you, then you have the faith to be you. Nobody else has the faith to be you. Now sure, there's wisdom and, and godly counsel and, and know what that looks like. But you've got to realize that there are things that God puts in your heart and you step out to do them and maybe it might not, it's the right thing, but maybe not the right timing. See, that was the right thing, but it was the, it was the wrong timing. And he thought they would understand. And the Bible says they did not understand. And so he took off running, thinking he missed it. How many times do we allow the enemy to convince us that we missed it? Right. Oh, you screwed up so big this time. I mean, you're done. Your dream is over. Your assignment is over. There is no way. He's a liar. Yeah. 
Jesus tells us, John chapter 8, verse 44, he's the father of all lies. And so Moses here, he spends 40 years in the wilderness, has a couple of kids. He's out there. He's learning some things. He's learning how to tend sheep. He's learning how to shepherd. He's learning how to, you know, to go beyond the palace. And at 80 years old, he has an encounter with God. And God accelerates the destiny. He accelerates the assignment. And in one year, he goes from the wilderness to leading God's people out of Egypt into freedom. One year, 80 years old, Things accelerated for him, but he stayed in the game. He was willing to look at the burning bush. He was willing to get back in the game. Sometimes we think that we've messed up too much. You haven't messed up too much. Your sin, your disobedience, it's not too big for our God. Our mistakes, they're not bigger than our God. God's mercy is bigger. His grace is bigger. His faith is bigger. His word is bigger. His angels are bigger. There's nothing that we've done in our past that can stop us from being everything God has called and created us to do. The only thing that can stop us is us. The devil's not big enough. We bow down and give him more power than he really has. He's a defeated foe. How about in Jonah chapter 3? This is one of my favorite scriptures just because I think we can all relate to this. Jonah hears from God. He has an assignment. He's supposed to go to Nineveh. This is Simon. He's called to the people. He says, <laughs> I'm out of here, Lord. I'm not doing it. You ever told the Lord no? Some of you are looking way too holy. You don't kid yourself. <laughs> but then in Jonah chapter 3 verse 1, it says, And Jonah heard the word of the Lord a second time. He heard it the second time. You know God has not given up on you. God still believes in your dream. God still believes in your assignment. God still believes in your purpose. God is the one who wired you, equipped you, graced you put his nature on the inside of you. And it says, Jonah heard the word a second time. He heard the word a second time. He heard the word a second time. God is a big God. Even if we screwed up the first time or we went left when we should have went right or we didn't obey or we didn't do or we did this or we did that, it is not bigger than our God. And if you'll get quiet, you'll hear the word a second time and a third time and a fourth time and a hundredth time. And God will not quit on you. Thank God for that. I am so thankful God hadn't given up on me. I remember when I was first, uh, you know, I'd given my life to the Lord. And I'd been living for the Lord a couple of years. And I'd come out of this bad environment. And I was in Pecos, Texas at, the, at, at a roping out there. And these guys, you know, I didn't know I was called to ministry or anything like that at the time. But these guys at the roping that day, they, hey, Trey, you know, why don't you have church for us in the morning? And I knew they were strung out when they asked me and everything. And. At first, I was like, okay, yeah, I'll, I'll do that, you know. And then I got thinking, ah, they're just jacking with me. They're making fun of me, you know, because I'd been, you know, went from that to this. I was kind of by myself. Ah, they're just jacking with me, making fun. And so I didn't show up for church the next day. Showed up at the roping. Every single one of them came up to me. So where were you? Where were you? I mean, it crushed me on the inside of just like, God, I, I apologize, man. I had a chance to share with these guys. They had seen me live one way, and they'd seen what you'd done, and they really wanted to know. And I told them, I said, I, I heard the word a second time. <laughs> I said, Lord, if you ever give me an opportunity again, I won't tell you no. Two weeks later, just two weeks later, I'm at the college rodeo at Big Springs. And before I got saved, I mean, I would sneak around the church services. You know, I'm like, ooh, I'm out of here. You know, there'd be six people up in the stands. And I go up and I just to see who's doing church because I was so hungry. I didn't care if it's Methodist, Presbyterian, Baptist, Catholic. I mean, you just, I just wanted God. 
And I said, who's doing church? And they said, nobody, Trey, would you do it? I said, no. <laughs> and then I, <laughs> then I remember what I told the Lord. And I told him, I said, yeah. I said, I'll do it. I'm telling you, there were hundreds of people showed up for church that day because they had seen the difference that God had made in my life. See, I heard the word a second time. And thank God, I've heard the word a third time and a fourth time and a fifth time. So if there is something that you've told God no about in your past, your disobedience is not bigger than God's plan. Yeah. Willingness is huge to God. Yeah. This is something I pray all the time. Lord, help me be willing. Help me be willing. I, I, wanted, I want to go everywhere I'm created to go, do everything I'm created to do, but you know what it's going to take to do? It's going to take a willingness to get out of ourself, a willingness to be uncomfortable, a willingness to do what everybody says you're nuts for doing. Are you willing? Because if you're willing, God will accelerate things. If you are willing, God will accelerate things. Breakthrough, accelerate, don't you back down. Don't you back down. Another thing, and I'm getting ready to be done right here. You can look at that in, in, in Joel chapter 2. I'm just going to touch on it just for a moment. Maybe you've gone through difficult situations. Y'all stay with me. But there's, there's a time coming that God will restore everything the devil has stolen. See, when God restores something, it's always to make it better, increase it, and multiply it. See, restoration, if, if in, in our mindset, re restore means to take it back to its original purpose. So if my notes fall off here on the ground and I pick them up and I hand them to Macy, that's not restore. Because it didn't go back to where they originally came from. If I pick up my notes and I put them back where they came from, that's restore. When you and I accepted Jesus, we were brought back into relationship with God. We were brought back to our original uh, uh, position of being in right standing with God. And it, and it activated your true purpose. It activated your assignment and destiny. It activated. We have the Spirit of God in us and the power of God on us for our mind to come in alignment with God's Word, our heart to come into agreement with God's heart, and for His will to come through us and manifest out here on earth as it is in heaven. But it takes a willingness. But every one of us, we've been stolen from in some form or fashion. And the prophet Joel says, there's coming a time that God's going to repay you for everything that the devil has stole. Acts chapter 3, verses 19 through 21. You can look at it in your own time. But it says, it's time for us to return to God. Not play church, not just be religious, not kid ourselves, but truly return to God. And when we return to God, He says there's a refreshing that takes place. There's a recovering that takes place. There's a reviving that takes place in the presence of God. What is the purpose for that recovery? What is the purpose for the reviving? What is the, the purpose for the restoring in our life? Yes, it's gonna, you're going to be blessed and you're going to walk in wholeness and have good relationships. But the purpose of everything God does is He always has other people on His mind. Always, always, always. He always has. People are the most precious thing to God. It is the greatest commodity to God. It's people. And it says, now Jesus is being withheld. I mean, you can look at this your own time. It says, Jesus is being withheld into heaven. 
in heaven right now. He's, he's designed to come to you and I. He's designed to return to you and I. But he's being withheld in heaven until complete restoration takes place upon the earth. Right. Complete restoration, that's acceleration. He wants to take us further and faster. So if you've been stolen from, I don't care what it is, start believing God for restoration. Start believing God. Isaiah 42, verse 22, it says, I need somebody who's willing to hear what I'm saying, and I want to restore. I need somebody who's willing to say what I'm saying. I need somebody to open their mouth and say, restore. Devil, you pay us back everything you stole from us, and I declare restore. You get up in the morning saying, I want restoration in my life. Restore, because God works with our words. God works with our words. It's one thing to come and get this information. That's one of the reasons I put the notes out is so you can get, get it in your thinking, get it in your heart, get it coming out of your mouth. The power of life and death is in the tongue. We create our world with the words that come out of our mouth just like God created the world with His words. What are you saying? I want you to start saying restore. God wants you to start saying restore everything that you've been stolen from. In the Bible, when you see restoration, you see it up to twofold all the way up to sevenfold in the Bible. That's according to our faith. What can we believe God for? If I just got back twice everything the devil stole from me, <laughs> thank you, Jesus. We're working on it. We're working on it. But then you go back. It says that he's even going to go back to the generations. What, what about, I've started, started calculating and stuff, what, my mom, what I've seen my mom and dad lose. What I've seen my sister lose, what I've seen my grandparents lose, what they didn't walk in, that belongs to you and I, but God needs somebody who's willing to believe it. He needs somebody who's willing to say it. Say restore. restore. Number five, and I'll, I'll get ready to be done here. You can, you can see, now we're talking about acceleration, right? right? You can see sometimes other people's decisions can postpone the will of God for your life. But they can't change the will of God for your life. If a business deal goes south in your life, that doesn't change God's will and destiny for you. Just because maybe somebody didn't pick you for the promotion, or maybe you had a relationship that went south, or maybe you had this happen or that happen, what somebody else does cannot, cannot stop you from fulfilling God's will and plan for your life. Now, things can look different. I mean, you think of Joseph. He had a dream as, as a young man, and here he was. He told it to his dad. He told it to his brothers. It ticked his brothers off, and he went and, they went and sold him into the slavery. He told the dad, he's dead. I mean, they rubbed blood all over his garment and everything, went back, told the dad he's dead. Looked a little different than, to Joseph than what he saw in his dream. But they sold him. Then what happened? The Bible says because God was with him, he prospered everywhere he went. Then he got promoted into Potiphar's house. Here he is at the right hand of Potiphar's house. He's excelling, prospering. Potiphar's wife thinks, oh, ho, ho, hey, Joe, how's it going? Hey, baby, why don't you come lie with me? And he says, oh, I'm out of here. I'm not doing that to God. Well, she holds on to his garment. He takes off, and she just, I mean, that blows her skirt up. I mean, in a different type of way. You've heard that phrase, right? <laughs> ah! She gets to squealing and everything. The guys come running. What happened? What happened? How he tried to lay with me and everything. Well, he gets thrown in prison. Looked a little different for Joe than what he thought. But he stayed in the field. He stayed in the process. He didn't lose sight of his dream. He didn't lose sight of what God had dropped in his heart. He did not quit. He did not back down. Did what other people do? Did it affect his life? Yes. But it didn't stop God's plan for his life. 
And in one day, he went from prison to the second in command of the whole nation. That is acceleration. Why? Because he didn't back down. He didn't quit. He didn't throw in the towel. So regardless of what other people have done in your life, they cannot stop you from being the best you you can be. If you will get in the game, you'll get in the process, God will accelerate things. He wants to take us further. He wants to take us faster than what we've gone, done it in the past. Things that took 20 years, He wants to do it in three years. T things that took three years, He wants to do it in one year. Things that took months, He wants to do it in a week. Remember, as the seed comes in, He says, there's a time coming, I'm going to accelerate the harvest. I'm going to accelerate the harvest. Breakthrough. Say breakthrough. breakthrough. Accelerate. accelerate. Don't, back down. Don't, back down. don't back down. Don't back down. Even when you don't understand, don't back down. Even whenever you don't feel like doing what you know is right, don't you back down. When you don't feel like being in the practice pen, you don't feel like being in the gym, you don't feel like being in the Word, you don't feel like doing what's right, don't back down. Don't you back down. Don't be moved by how you feel or what you see. Don't back down. Down. There's no quit in us. What has God told you? What has God dropped in your heart? What has God promised you? Don't you back down.